This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. In the world of startups, investors usually pick one company in a sector and hope that company becomes the winner. But SoftBank, which runs the world's biggest tech investing fund, is doing things differently. In Latin America, SoftBank has given $20 billion to three companies, Uber, Rappi, and Didi Shusing, or Didi for short. Three companies which all do similar things, ride-hailing and food delivery. And with all that money, something unusual has happened. Instead of funding a winner, SoftBank has funded a price war with these three companies using SoftBank's billions to steal each other's business. It's a clash that could result in no winners. Today on the show, how SoftBank wound up funding three bitter rivals in one market, and whether this unorthodox strategy can still pay off. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, February 5th. One of the biggest investments that SoftBank has made is in Uber. In total, it's put almost $8 billion into the company. And before this price war in Latin America, Uber had this region pretty much to itself. And it was a region with a lot of potential. Latin America is really a sort of untapped frontier for venture capital and for tech. Robbie Whelan covers Mexico. It's got much higher percentage of people's gross income is spent on, on things like transportation and food and dining out than in other regions of the world, including Asia. And in Latin America, Uber quickly became dominant. It essentially controlled entire markets in places like Mexico City, and its business was growing fast. In 2017, the company's revenue in the region grew 215%. Latin America was the golden child of the entire company. I mean, it was this place where you could go in, there was not much competition, not a ton of regulation, and you could really set the prices in the market and you could make a lot of money. But Uber wouldn't have the place to itself for long. Soon it got company from Didi, a ride-hailing service that had been growing rapidly in Asia. Didi for a long time was sort of thought of as more kind of a parochial company. They were China-based, they were Asia-based. But they had long been known to be harboring global expansion ambitions. And in 2017, Didi got the boost it needed to go global. Didi was on the cusp of trying to figure out how and where to expand at the end of 2017 when they received this big cash infusion from SoftBank. They got $4 billion in a single round led by SoftBank. Didi used some of this money to expand to Latin America. Its first stop was Brazil, but then within a few months... Didi expands in Mexico, and they first come to the city of Toluca, which is about an hour and a half drive from Mexico City. It's a regional capital, and they very quickly took market share away from Uber in the ride-hailing business there. This was a surprise to Uber. So Uber is sitting there in San Francisco and saying, our biggest funder, our, our biggest investor, SoftBank, just gave a bunch of money to 
a company that was in China. But then the first thing this company does is goes and hits us right in our backyard. Right from the get-go, Didi was a dangerous competitor to Uber, and it was spending SoftBank's money aggressively. One major strategy was to go after Uber's customers by offering discounts. Just speaking as a consumer myself, I actually tried to download the DD app right when I first started seeing billboards for DD around town, just to see what it was. I get messages every day on my cell phone offering me some kind of discount. You see these price discounts and you see sort of assorted incentives that they're sending you all the time. On top of going after Uber's customers with discounts, Didi also spent big trying to lure away Uber's drivers. They would offer drivers these bonuses. So we're talking hundreds of dollars a week, doubling or tripling the salaries of drivers. You know, if you make a certain number of rides in four hours, in the first four hours of the day, then you get $100. Or they weren't exactly that, but they were along those lines. And some of the drivers I spoke to, they talked about these bonuses as if they were video games. They said, you know, this is actually kind of fun for me. Every day I go out and I try to compete. And it's not just fun. I actually am able to pad my salary with some really significant money. Didi was using SoftBank's cash to hammer Uber. And at first, Uber didn't know what to make of this aggressive new competitor. Some people, even within Uber, have told me they took a little while to really react to Didi. Their calculation was, look, we're the big dog here. We control the vast majority of this market. So they sat back and they analyzed the situation. What Uber realized was that it wasn't in a position to easily counter Didi's attack. The company was headed toward an IPO and under pressure to show investors that it was able to turn a profit. Also, Uber was so big in places like Mexico City that matching Didi's discounts would have been really, really expensive. And I think their calculation was, since we control 85, 90% of the market, it would simply be too expensive to be offering the same or comparable incentives to our drivers in order to get them to stay with Uber and not go over to Didi. So they decided against that. So for a while, there was a real exodus of drivers from Uber to Didi. Eventually, the exodus got so bad that Uber realized it had to do something. It responded to Didi's strategy of poaching drivers by throwing money at riders. Uber responds by targeting the customers who are sort of the big users of of Uber and saying, look, this time during rush hour, we're going to have lower surge pricing for you. And really trying to keep the, the really diehard Uber loyalists from switching over and becoming regular customers of Didi. And while these incentives might have been nice for loyal customers, it wasn't anywhere near the scale of what Didi was doing. And it also wasn't clear that Uber's incentives were really working. Before long, Didi had a big share of the Latin American market. The company now estimates it controls about 30% of the market in Brazil and Mexico. Which is really kind of crazy when you think about it, given they've only been here for a year and a half. So in less than two years... Uber went from dominating the region to facing a growing threat from Didi, another one of SoftBank's companies. The whole situation left executives at Uber scratching their heads. We've talked to folks from Uber who who know what was going on inside Uber at the time of these investments, who really did seem surprised, who seemed baffled that this is how SoftBank was choosing to make big investments after having invested in Uber. And, and there was sort of a, a confusion. You know, why would they invest in this huge competitor of ours who's just going to turn around and come to Latin America and ruin our sort of golden goose market that we have down there? Why would they do that? I mean, what was known at this point about what SoftBank was thinking amid all this? Yeah, we don't know for sure how much SoftBank knew about Didi's specific plans. 
But from the outside, it's this very uh, awkward situation. You know, we've got two very large investments by SoftBank that are now in direct competition with each other when they weren't before. But SoftBank's next move would make it clear that funding multiple rivals in the same market was no accident. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients, like 99% pure melatonin, to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight, live tomorrow. Shop now at natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. El Moro is a Mexico City institution. It's a restaurant famous for a sweet snack, churros. And Robbie went a few days ago to check it out. So we got this, uh, I got a cinnamon sugar-coated churro here. It's fresh out of the fryer. It's uh, totally, it's warm and gooey on the inside, crunchy on the outside. Let's see how it tastes. Wow, (laughs) that's good. Popular restaurants like El Moro have become another front in the SoftBank-funded fight that's happening in Mexico. The CEO of El Moro is a third-generation CEO. It's a family company. His name is Santiago Iriarte. Ever since I was a kid, I knew that uh, El Moro had the tradition and the popularity in Mexico to grow. In 2016, Santiago decided that one of the ways to grow El Moro was through Uber's food delivery program. When uh, Uber Eats came to Mexico City at first, we decided we wanted to go in to work with them. We thought they were the perfect match for us because we were not doing any delivery. But at the same time, we knew we had to. But having extra employees at that moment was hard for us. And that's when we decided to start into the delivery apps. The result was huge, and uh, it was really fast. We started doing about 15, 20% more of extra sales by the Uber Eats delivery app, yeah. These extra sales were great for El Moro, but they came at a cost. Uber Eats is charging him 30% commission on each delivery. So 30% of the cost of every order goes to Uber Eats. And that's money that's not in his pocket. So in the fall of 2018, along comes this upstart challenger to Uber Eats called Rappi. Rappi started to approach us uh, little by little. Rappi is a Colombian food delivery startup, which has been in Mexico City for a while. And the founder of Rappi, who's based in Mexico City at that time, actually visits Santiago in person and says, look, you know, we see what great business you're doing. We see that this is one of the coolest restaurants in Mexico and how popular you are. Why don't you come over to our platform and we'll only charge you 
He said it was a very attractive proposition. He said, first of all, the price was lower. So he wasn't going to be giving up as much of the price of each order as he would be when he was with Uber Eats. And he also said it was very, he said it was flattering. When we met the co-founder and the director of Mexico was the pivoting moment for us. When, when they told us their history, their story, we identified ourselves with them because we believe they share our same values and uh, their culture is really similar to ours. He said that they, you know, they, they went after me really aggressively. I was really impressed that they sent the founder in person to come and visit my restaurant. That made clear to me that my restaurant was one of the ones that was being targeted because it was a special place. Rappi had been growing slowly, picking off restaurants like El Moro one by one. And then, of course, SoftBank invested a billion dollars into Rappi. The SoftBank investment is really what emboldened Rappi to compete with Uber in a more sort of aggressive way. And it's been this market share battle ever since then. Did SoftBank give Rappi a mandate for how it wanted it to use its money? I did put that question to somebody who works at Rappi. I said, I mean, did they ever tell you to go easy on, on Uber Eats? Because, of course, SoftBank is also the biggest investor in, in Uber. And the answer was no. They didn't tell us anything about how we should go easy on anyone and Rappi didn't go easy. The company used SoftBank's money to go after even more restaurants in Mexico City. They got Dairy Queen away from Uber. They got El Califa, which is a really popular taco chain in Mexico City, away from them. They got Ojo de Agua, which is like sweet green in Mexico City. They sell really fancy salads and, and smoothies and that kind of thing. And El Moro. And, uh, and of course, El Moro, the best churros in Mexico City. Uber Eats subsequently tried to get El Mora's business back, but so far, they haven't been able to. And these exclusive deals with restaurants aren't even the most aggressive or cash-intensive things that Rappi is doing in Mexico. Rappi has started giving what amounts to sort of, you know, zero-interest loans to a lot of restaurants. They would identify popular chains, and they said, look, you guys are really popular, but there's a few neighborhoods where our data shows that you have a lot of willing customers, but they're too far away from your restaurant locations to deliver there. Uh, we're going to lend you a big chunk of money, and we're actually going to build for you a facility in these other neighborhoods. Building a custom kitchen facility is a huge expense and costs as much as $12,000 a month to operate. And that's the kind of thing that Rappi wouldn't have been able to do without SoftBank's money. Thanks to strategies like this one, Rappi's business in Mexico City has boomed. Executives at Rappi do believe that in places like Mexico City, some of their biggest markets, they have pulled about even in market share with Uber Eats. With both Rappi and Didi gaining so much market share so quickly, Uber has seen its Latin American business suffer. In the first nine months of last year, Uber's revenue in the region fell. Do you think that this is what SoftBank wanted to happen? That they wanted three companies that they invest in to be just beating each other up? So, no, I, I don't think that's what SoftBank uh, intended. Everything we've learned from talking to folks connected with these companies suggests that they did not want to mount a sort of gladiator fight where, where nobody walks out alive. Well, then what did they want? A lot of people I talked to in the reporting of this sort of said, well, you know, it sort of looks to me like SoftBank is well positioned to, to be backing the winner. And of course, if you go to the racetrack and you bet on every horse, you're going to back the winner. If one of these companies ends up being the winner, and if they end up being the winner by buying out their competitors or outmaneuvering their competitors, then if SoftBank is, is behind all of that, then they win in some way. I mean, that is the one thing that I find puzzling about this, is that 
SoftBank already had a winner in Uber in Latin America. And so I can sort of make sense of the fact that, the, that SoftBank gave money to Didi because Didi was in Asia. And perhaps SoftBank couldn't have predicted the fact that Didi would then go to Latin America. But I still can't quite square why once SoftBank had two companies that were already fighting each other in Latin America and they were already strong, why they would help prop up this third company in Rappi. It's definitely puzzling. It could be read as sort of, they simply want to encourage competition because competition eventually leads to better services provided by these companies that they're investing in. Or it could be read as or an oversight on, on SoftBank's part. SoftBank is totally loaded. So we're talking about historic amounts of cash flooding into these markets. And so when you have that much money that needs to be deployed, it needs to be deployed at a, at a good rate of return. Sometimes you're going to end up having what one person who, who, who knows the insides of SoftBank told us were border skirmishes, right? You can't always keep all of your different investments in different pots and, and keep everything totally separate when you're dealing with the amount of money that SoftBank wants to deploy. That's all for today, Wednesday, February 5th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Elliot Brown for his reporting on this story. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.